0: locked away in attics basements in dark corners across the world are stories of beings and beasts that hide in the night these are those stories this is the sleepless and suburbia podcast i'm brooke case manager for our team and this is the audio recap for case 116 hunters Glen equestrian center and stables ready to get back to it i asked lark as we laid by the neighborhood pool switching between reading magazines and yelling at James to stop running around the pool. Do we have to? She said, covering her face with the newest issue of Yoga Journal. No, but this is what we do, I said, snatching away the magazine and lifting up my sunglasses for mom vibe eye contact. Not every space is the hideaway lark. She nodded, rolling off of her lounge chair, taking a few huge steps before cannonballing into the pool I pulled out my phone and scrolled the ignored Sleepless in Suburbia Facebook Messenger inbox. This message drew me in in about two sentences. Here's the Facebook message We are in desperate need of your assistance. I'm stable and boarding manager here at Hunter's Glen Equestrian Center and Stables in Ashford. Members are threatening to move their horses if we don't get to the bottom of strange pranks happening at the stable. Equipment goes missing, turning up in weird places like in the middle of a paddock. Twice, the same client had their left stirrup removed from their dressage saddle. Those stirrups were never found. Staff arrived for morning feeding to find that every single stall door had been unlatched. There are two stalls that horses refuse to enter. Even when we try to force them, they balk and refuse. We've had to make those stalls off limits for liability reasons. The feed room gets trashed at least once a week Feed and treats thrown everywhere. Every time this happens, we have to reimburse our clients the cost of the ruined feed. Some of our staff are threatening to quit because they've experienced footsteps and knocking when they believe they're alone in the stable. We doubt it's something of the paranormal variety, more like a bored punk kid, but our cameras aren't catching anything to prove my theory, and we are desperate. Sincerely, Spencer Starkweather. Ponies? talk about every little girl's dream, Hunter's Glen Stable property details. The stable includes 22 stalls, two indoor and two outdoor wash racks, three tack rooms, a member's lounge including vending machine and kitchenette, and an indoor riding arena. Outside, there are nearly 50 acres of fenced paddock and pasture. There's an additional 150 acres of riding preserve, with miles of wooded nature trails to explore on horseback, even including a couple of waterfalls. On the property, there are also two outdoor riding arenas and five bungalow-style homes for staff and management, with one being used as an office. Team Update I think we're all a little spooked at the idea of getting back in the saddle. Yeah, cheesy horse pun completely intended. We'd all laughed at varying degrees at the guys in their Affliction t-shirts on reality TV duding their way through running from a bump in the night, or better yet, a feeling they got. It was funny, especially three glasses of wine in, until we became those people running from the night. Our egos took a hit. Confidence, a little dinged. Insecurity in the night, shaken. Lark's been staying with the boys and me since we returned. Even a dorm room in a building full of co-eds is too alone for her. James has loved having her crash in his room, and she's learned to play Fortnite like a champion at this point. Michael is older. He knows something's up, but there's stuff even a know-it-all 16-year-old can't handle. About a week after returning from Madison, Prue woke up in the middle of the night, laughter coming from outside of her bedroom window. Her bedroom's on the second floor. Shaking her boyfriend David awake, He'd heard nothing, and the laughter was gone. He's convinced she had a bad dream, but then again, he didn't see what we did. Despite building an epic blanket fort in the center of the living room to share with her sons Barrett and Gil, you know, cool mom sleepover style, Ford's nights are packed with nightmares so realistic she wakes up shaking. Last night, her shaking woke Gil up. She awoke to him covering her with a blanket. He said, Mommy, you're shivering, so I gave you Great Nana Lois's comfy blanket. Her nightmare is the same as mine. Standing in the middle of the woods, a full moon is barely visible through the dense leaves. Suddenly, the forest stills. A twig snaps. And another, snap, snap, snap. Turning in circles, where is it coming from? A shadow steps from the trees. More shadows join, stepping from the forest. The moon's light hitting their faces just right to reveal cavernous black eyes. A voice behind me says, Hello again, ma'am. Then, I wake up. Every. Single. Night. I've resorted to using my insomnia for my advantage, trying to only allow myself to doze once sunrise causes warmth to muddle away the night sky. Claire's handling it, by not talking about it. If you don't speak of the terror in the woods, then you can pretend there is nothing to fear in the night. She's doing a remarkably great job putting on a perfectly polished front. You have to look really close to see the cracks. She stops sitting outside in her driveway enjoying beer and a fire pit. Is that only a Midwest pastime? Claiming her never-before-in-existence allergies are particularly bad this year. I also noticed a newly installed ring doorbell camera when I went over to watch Bachelor reruns last weekend. Lowe's throwing her nervous energy into figuring out what the hell is going on in that demon cesspool. Her words. Instead of fearing the black-eyed children, demons, aliens, vampires from another dimension, whatever they are, she's determined to crack the code. A code we haven't even unearthed yet. Never has she cared so much for research, but now she's obsessed, even turning a big wall in her walk-in closet into an evidence board. It looks like one of those boards from a murder mystery where the detective has red yarn strung here and there connecting thoughts. All of this while working IT and homeschooling her daughter Maggie. She's kind of my hero. We're a mess, but Spencer and a herd of freaked out equines needed our help. Historical research. The land was a working farm for decades, staying in the Callahan family for countless generations. On the edge of what is now Hunter's Glen is the Callahan family cemetery with the oldest headstone dating back to 1891. Dozens of Callahans are laid to rest within the family plot. Some of them succumbed to the Spanish influenza outbreak of 1918, others from old age, And most tragically, Richard Callahan, who died after falling from a tractor and being run over by the till. In 1990, the current generation of Callahans divided the massive acreage into smaller plots, selling them. That brings us to the present. Laura Matthews bought the land in 1992, opening Hunter's Glen in 1994. She trained countless equestrians over her 20 year career, growing the center into one of the most successful in the region. Her daughter, Kat, has stepped into the head role position, bringing on Spencer for day-to-day operations. On-site interview recap. Spencer greeted us in front of the huge stable building, large smile on his face that didn't quite reach his eyes. He looked not so much tired, but sad. His eyes rimmed with red. He welcomed us warmly, directing us into the stable. As my eyes adjusted to the dimmer lighting, a huge head poked out in front of me, causing me to jump back. Not a ghost, just Suki St. James. We call her Sook. Spencer laughed, looking at me over her shoulder. The chestnut horse flicked her head towards the ceiling, almost like she was laughing at me. Suki St. James? Like from? Spencer cut me off. Our owner cat is her human. She's obsessed with Gilmore Girls. A girl after my own heart, I thought. Stopping to give Miss St. James a pat on her neck before jogging to catch up with everyone else. Our first stop was a stall towards the center of the stable with the name Whispering Jack on a metal nameplate on the door. The man inside, tall with dark wavy hair and the greenest eyes I'd ever seen, brushed a dapple gray gelding. Mark has worked at Hunter's Glen for five years with zero paranormal occurrences. The only time something went missing was when someone borrowed a brush and forgot to return it to the correct groom bucket. Then, like the flip of a switch, things went sideways. Mark was working alone one morning, preparing feed buckets, when something hit his back and clattered to the floor. On the floor was a large 8-cup measuring scoop. There wasn't another human in the building at the time. A few days after that, his keys vanished from a hook in the small staff office in the stable. Three days later, he found his keys, a stirrup, Spencer's debit card, and a client's reading glasses piled on top of each other in the member's lounge freezer behind a carton of apple cider ice cream. Over the weekend, before we arrived, while mucking stalls, Mark heard the sound of footsteps running up and down the corridor. When he stuck his head out of the stall, he could still hear the footsteps running away from him. But no one was there. We thanked Mark for sharing his experiences and followed Spencer to two stalls without nameplates on the door. Over the past couple of weeks, horses refused to go in these two stalls. Nothing had changed in this area. One day horses were fine, and then the next they would balk at every attempt to put them in either of the two stalls. A new employee, Victor, worked to install a new feed bucket in the stall on the left, When he felt a pinch on his right arm, then another pinch on his left hip, the pinching continued until he left the stall. As the day went on, a few of the pinch sites bruised. Three other employees and two riders have reported getting pinched or hit by an unseen force in these two stalls. Once, while in attack room, a dusty old radio that hadn't worked for years sitting on the back of a shelf started playing 80s rock music out of nowhere. It scared a trainer who'd been rolling leg wraps half to death. Picking up the radio, the trainer found the radio unplugged, and the second that she picked it up, the radio stopped playing. The final straw happened the day Spencer emailed us. After the center closed for the evening, Spencer was at home tidying up when he walked by his front window, noticing several horses in the parking lot outside of the stable. On his way to grab a grain bucket and lead rope to bring the horses in, he noticed eight stall doors were open. After getting all the horses back in their stalls and checking for injury, Spencer headed back to his bungalow. Halfway across the lawn, he heard loud knocking coming from the stable. He checked it out, finding the stable building empty except for the horses. He was desperate for help. Whatever was going on could put the horse's health in jeopardy. There were other haunted happenings going on on the site as well. There was the smell of cigarette smoke. After investigating, no smoking was found in the area. A woman complained to Spencer that while in the ladies' room, someone knocked on the bathroom door repeatedly. While the knocking persisted, the woman yanked the door open, finding the hallway empty. One morning, a riding instructor arrived for lessons to find that all saddle pads in the entire building were missing, completely vanished. The next day, a rider out on the trails found a pile of saddlebags on a tree stump about a mile from the stable. A member of the grounds crew walked into the office bungalow finding all the lights on and every drawer and door wide open. When he began closing the drawers, music blasted from what he thinks was the computer. He fled the office and the music stopped. Countless members have had a wide variety of items go missing, everything from sunglasses and boot polish to hairnets and fly spray. Lights in the wash racks turn on and off on their own. Pounds of horse feed dumped on the floor. There's a ton of phantom knocking. Doors and drawers open on their own in the stable and in the office. And on one occasion, all of the jumps in the arena were piled in the center but the night before, they were set up all around the arena. Investigation Recap We set up our equipment on Tuesday afternoon, focusing our attention on two areas, the stable and the bungalow used as an office. Claire, being terrified of any animal larger than a corgi, set this investigation out. Lowe manned HQ and helped Ford and myself in the stable, while Lark and Prue took the office bungalow. Lowe set up her monitoring station, walkie-talkies, and compiled three research packs in HQ in the members' lounge. Our research packs included K2 EMF meter, SB11 spirit box, digital voice recorder, digital camera, fully stocked travel first aid kit, because Ford, two flashlights, Avon Skin So Soft bug guard, walkie-talkie, lifeguard whistle, protein trail mix, allergy eye drops, and carrots for the horses. These are our experiences. Lark and Prue started off their investigation of the office bungalow by making sure all doors and drawers were closed. Then they moved towards the living room. Sitting in the living room area on the floor, a digital recorder between them, Lark and Prue began an EVP session. It was cut short by banging from the kitchen. Here's the banging sound from their digital recorder. Walking into the kitchen, Lark found one of the doors above the refrigerator wide open. She pulled a chair over from a small kitchen table to shut the door. As soon as the door shut, a slamming sound began in another part of the house. The slamming sound persisted until Prue flipped on the lights in the hall bathroom. The slamming sound persisted until Prue flipped on the lights in the hall bathroom, revealing the door below the sink wide open. She shut the door hearing Lark call from the living room, lights flickering in the living room area, will you grab the camera? The light anomaly calmed before the camera began recording. The rest of us in the stable. We started in the stalls that had been stressing out the horses and picking at the humans. Lo and I strategically picked the stall on the right, sending forward into the left stall with the phantom pinching claims. Lo rolled EVP as we asked questions to the air. After five or six minutes, I jumped, ouch! Not funny, Lo, I glared, not amused with the force behind her joke. That really hurt. Her eyebrows knitted together. What are you talking about? You pinched me, I snapped, rubbing the red welt on my arm. No, I didn't. Ouch, crap. I cut her off, rubbing my other arm, then a pinch to the back of my calf. Three pinches were plenty. I bolted from the stall, standing in the aisleway between the two rows of stalls, the pinching stopped. Our EVP session in the stalls didn't reveal anything, and my attempt to throw forward under the paranormal bus totally backfired. The next morning, I woke up with huge bruises on my leg and both of my arms. Standing in the center of the dirt riding arena, the three of us clearly heard the sound of footsteps. Lowe captured them on the digital recorder. Give it a listen. It sounded like someone was racing around us, but we couldn't find the source of the footsteps. I walked into the largest tack room looking for the phantom music playing radio. Ford right behind me. A couple of feet into the room, Ford watched a metal curry comb lift from a bucket of brushes, barely missing my back and slamming into the wall in front of me. In case you don't know what a metal curry comb is, let me explain that. It's a brush with a plastic handle that has four rows of metal saw-like teeth that form circles within circles. Metal saw-like teeth flying at my back. I'm probably not explaining it very well, so I will add a picture of it on social. At Sleepless Suburbia Pod on Instagram or Facebook. Take a look, it would not have felt good. Lowe picked up the following EVP walking towards a storage closet. Listen. She followed the music down a hallway to a closed storage door, and when she opened the door, the music abruptly cut off. Spencer later confirmed that the radio we found stuffed behind paper towel rolls was the same radio that had played phantom music just a few days prior. Investigation Wrap-Up As we wrapped up the night's investigation, Ford stood petting the neck of a Palomino mare when she said, Seems more poltergeist than haunted. Okay. But who's the agent, I said. There's only one person who's always on location, Ford replied. Spencer. He lived on the property. He was the single human common denominator and likely our telekinetic generator. Let's go talk to Spencer, I said, heading towards the bungalows. Immense stress can trigger poltergeist-style episodes. It was crucial to have a likely, uncomfortable conversation with Spencer, to gather further evidence to confirm or rule him out as our catalyst. We sat around his kitchen table, mugs of coffee in hand, as he shared a glimpse into his personal life. In the days leading up to the first episode, two things shifted in Spencer's life. First, his longtime boyfriend, we'll call him T, left him for a younger man. The very next day, his mom called to let him know that his grandpa had been diagnosed with advanced Alzheimer's. Two huge emotional experiences caused Spencer to understandably spiral, throwing himself harder into work to distract himself from the heartache. We felt confident. We felt confident that Spencer was unintentionally creating habit at work with poltergeist activity fueled by his recent emotional and psychological state. Prue recommended for Spencer to see a counselor in person or online using a site like BetterHelp to talk with someone. He agreed, and we headed home for the evening. We're pleased to share that after a few sessions with a counselor, the poltergeist activity has stopped at Hunter's Glen. Spencer is feeling more grounded in his personal life, and he's leaving in a couple of days to spend two entire weeks with his grandpa. With Hunters Glenn and Spencer feeling more like themselves, we are happy to close Case 116. If you want to check out some of our pictures from our case files, listen to EVPs, and stay up to date with everything happening behind the scenes, you can stay connected with us on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Sleepless Suburbia Pod. We will be back next week with another case. Until then, thanks again for listening to Sleepless in Suburbia. If you enjoy our cases, please make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcast. And make sure to subscribe so you get our new case each week. Until next week, take care, guys.